Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast, everybody. I'm John. Thanks for joining us on this Monday, the week of Thanksgiving. What are we thankful for? Willow? When do we want it? St- now. Now. My baby um, turns one this week. I'm pretty that's thankful awesome. for that. Happy birthday. I made it. Mm, yes. <laughs> We're that's doing a big it, milestone for parents. <laughs> 17 yeah, more. It is. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're Shandrillin. <laughs> yeah. um, well, we talked about that on our TRB Live episode, talking about Andor, episode mm-hmm. 11 last week. So if you want our take on that episode, go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, we are going to talk a bit about Andor season two today. Um, but uh, before we do that, James, Lacey, how are you guys? What did you guys Great. think? I know you guys are anime fans. Uh, I'm not really... But what do you guys think of the the Grogu uh, Studio Ghibli short? Is it an introduction to the future relationship with them, or is it a one and done thing? And what do you think about that little three minute short? Lacey? It was short. That's my first reaction. Um, I sadly, James and I were talking about this off air. Not sadly that we were talking about it, but our thoughts on it. It's just mm-hmm. like you have one of, if not the greatest anime studio coming on board to work in the Star Wars world. And not that this isn't great. It's just, this is what we're getting. When personally, my favorite movies include Howl's Moving Castle, which is easily in my top five favorite movies of all Mm -hmm. time. And Spirited Away is in my top 15, top 20. Like, it's hard to look at films like that that I love so much and have just like changed how I, I, I look at movies and just be like, oh my gosh, the hype that came around those images when you saw like the little Grogu figure in the picture and then they did the the Lucasfilm reveal, which naturally as Star Wars fans we go bananas for. Um, seeing it tied to such an incredible, oscar-winning crazy influential animation studio and then to find out by watching it all you get is this this kind of moment it's literally a moment it's a couple Mm -hmm. minutes it just seemed to me like a missed opportunity as mark hamill would say yeah i mean there's like that that there's a lot to that what Lacey just said and that's pretty much all my thoughts it's just kind of to repeat that sentiment like yeah, the hype was there. They put out a couple teasers, and it's it was only like days before. It's not like they teased this like year in advance. People or something went crazy. nuts. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, fair on them for not hyping it up too much, but they put out a couple teasers, and then they and then it was announced very shortly after. Um, it's just like it's one of those things when those teasers go out, you're thinking, well, this is the probably the most celebrated animation studio in the entire world, other than maybe like Disney Animation itself, um, which right. would be like the number one worldwide. But um, other than that, you have that. Uh, it's massively influential and uh, means a lot to a lot of people. And when it's revealed that it's a two-minute short, um, it's like, okay, that's kind of disappointing. Uh, we can go down that path of saying, like, okay, maybe, maybe they wanted Ghibli and they said no to Visions. And so they saw Visions. Maybe they thought it was okay they're like oh you know okay we didn't really see what you guys were doing but now we kind of get it um you know but like this isn't really us but we like this character or something could we do something with that and lucasfilm is like 
guys, anything you want. Like we, we just want to open up the doors to you guys. So it's like, it's maybe it's not like a, a corporate decision here, but it was just like one person who, which I know it is, it's, it's the one guy who was, did a lot of the character designs for the studio and stuff. And he, I think personally that my head written story <laughs> is that he liked that character and he liked the design and he just wanted to do something with it. And he got the licensing to do a little short on his own terms. Right. Um, and I think that's all it is. Um, but I, w- watching it, I think to myself, well, this doesn't really represent Mandalorian. It doesn't really represent Studio Ghibli. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who it's for. It, it represents Zen, but I, you know, like it's, it's nothing. It's almost, it's not even for kids. It's almost like it's for babies. Like it's for mm. toddlers. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay. I could show this to my one or two year old and they would find good enjoyment out of this. I should show it to Daisy on her birthday. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know, like maybe there's some like connection and the, the idea of like the, the cultural like Zen is like you're presenting that idea to a young child. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine. It's just the, the word I associated with it too as a 30 something adult who likes Star Wars, it's disappointing, but I don't want to discredit what it is. It's not Neither like they shouldn't I. have done it. It yeah. still took talent and skill and correct. Yeah, absolutely. And it and it holds its place. It's for a different it's for a different demographic and stuff. So it's like, it's fine. It's just like, you know, it's like when you're expecting a new big animation project and it's just like the YouTube shorts or something, and you're like, I mean, they're cool, but like I don't know. I was hoping for like rebels, you know, like mm-hmm. I thought that's what it was going to be. And it, and it isn't. I, I mean, we were all looking at movies or like uh, a special or a, an uh, announcement that they're going to be part of vision season two or something. And it's that's just, what a lot of people thought. Yeah, it just Visions, really wasn't yeah. that at all. And it was a lot shorter and less delivered content than you would think. So that, that's, yeah, it. I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't think much of it either. I mean, I didn't think it was all that great. I didn't, I mean, I know it's hand-drawn, so I really respect the patience and the talent that goes into that. And a lot of that doesn't um, happen anymore. Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about it uh, like months ago. I was like, man, that'd be cool if they just went old school Disney and did like an old school 2D animated movie. Um, something about those, that, I don't know, that those pencil strokes and stuff. That uh, I just, I don't know, I, mean, I like seeing like 101 Dalmatians and stuff. Sometimes it's a, a different lens that you get to put on versus the crisp cleanness of like a Pixar. Well, it's like um, matte paintings in Star Wars vis- versus obviously digital yeah. stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. But yeah, it, it was fine and whatever. Maybe that opens the door for other things. Uh, I'm not the biggest anime fan, but I know a lot of people really dug it. So I hope that's the case. If uh, if that studio is as good as you guys are saying. So. Um, but we are going to be talking about uh, stuff that is coming up in Star Wars, uh, a lot of the latest news. And then uh, we have the Patreon Padres, but we also have a discussion we're doing at the end of the show about Andor and its release timing. And I'm pitching that to you guys, but you'll get what I'm talking about. You probably already do because uh, you read the show notes. But <laughs> here we are, and it's time for James Bainey and the Resistance Report. <laughs> the resistance all right we are kicking it off with some press for 
and or as we wrap up the first season we're getting pretty dang close uh you know like two but two days now we're get the final episode um but as uh they're doing this press there was this long very hefty interview uh uh and or showrunner tony gilroy uh writing production lessons learned um things that are coming in season two. It's a great read and it's all on Collider if you guys want to check it out. Um, there's a lot to unpack here and the um, since it's so long and involved, I'm probably just going to kick it right off to you, John. Um, what stands out to you? What, what thoughts on this uh, interview about Tony Gilroy returning to Star Wars a second time Mm-hmm. and uh as and president or... of the tony gilroy fan club yes yes so i am still holding as president <laughs> of the tony gilroy fan club and it's more the man than anything uh his conviction um he's very intelligent and he doesn't mind being candid once in a while which i think is very refreshing for somebody working in a very secretive um canon precious franchise um he he doesn't care he'll say what he feels he needs to say and clearly he was given the reins to make this show the way he wanted to make it um which is things we haven't heard about other projects we've heard about a lot of clashing between uh executives and creatives one being you know rogue squadron that might have been a big reason uh that that might be on the shelf now but with tony gilroy he seems to be in the driver's seat and have full capital and control um based on the capital he earned for what he did with rogue one which shouldn't go unnoticed and i know we're definitely going to talk a bit more about um that (laughs) that story in a little bit but so i don't put the uh get too far ahead of myself here but one thing i took away from this is his approach to season two and it's very smart because as those years tick by on those three episode arcs you know year two year three year four year five he knows they have to get closer and closer to rogue as he calls it it's Rogue One's too long for him to say. He yeah. just says Rogue. <laughs> um, but he brings up, you know, Yavin. We're going to Yavin 4. You know, he he doesn't mind saying that. Um, and I like that. You know, we're, we obviously know we're heading there. Give us some other stuff. Let's talk about K2SO, you know, whatever. But he brings up a fact that he brought in some different people for season two. It's not one of those things like, oh, thank you so much for your work on season one. We're bringing you all back for season two. He's like, no. You served your, it's like Luther. It's mm-hmm. like you served your purpose for that. Now, these people here are going to be perfect for this. And he brings up that guy, Tom Bissell, who, uh, I don't know what he's most known for. He, he wrote the disaster artist movie, which I know was very successful. Um, he's developing a mosquito coast series. I don't know if people remember that movie. Uh, it's an old Harrison Ford movie before star Wars. Um, uh, but he did like, uh, writing for video games like Arkham Origins, the Batman game, Uncharted, mm-hmm. uh, Gears 5, I think is a popular one that uh, people talk about. But he said he's a big, big Star Wars fan. And we know Tony Gilroy is not. And I think that's a smart choice because as you merge this closer to Rogue One, you're going to need these familiar people and familiar places regarding the Rebellion to make this uh, transition into Rogue One make as much sense as possible. And it might even be legacy characters that come up that aren't involved with Rogue One, but need to be in this four-year block. You know, who knows? if We could very well get a, a Leia in this. We don't know. Uh, there could be the Organas back. There could be a lot of... Uh, uh, Radis 
I, I, I expect to see Radis in season two of Andor. I think season two of Andor is going to be a lot different than season one for that reason. I think looking back now, we're not done yet, but I think looking back on season one of Andor, it really is sort of doing everything they can to develop all these new characters, but also show how the rebellion can be formed while also giving Cassie and these different experiences on these different locations with different people of different walks of life so he can understand what it means to be part of something. Um, because he did become quite, he seems quite jaded when we first meet him in um, in this series. So looking at, ahead to the season two, I think everything he's saying makes a lot of sense. And I like that he's bringing in different writers who maybe are bigger fans of Star Wars than him. And uh, you know me, I, I I feel, I like Andor a lot, but I do feel like it could be a, a story that takes place on Earth with a lens put over it. Maybe we're going to get more of the feeling of Star Wars that Rogue One does have. Rogue One has humor. Rogue One has a ton of creatures. Rogue One has lightsabers. Rogue One has the Death Star. It has Tarkin. You know, I, I think we're going to see a li little bit more of that. So people who maybe, say people who love Rogue One, who for some reason ah, didn't hit with me with Andor, I think there's going to be that perfect marriage in the middle. I think season two of Andor is going to be that. Lacey? Uh, first of all, this interview was, like you said, it was hefty, James. It was yeah. like when you see those commercials of the paper plates and they load up the paper plate before it like folds. Like, I thought you were going with the trash bags. Hefty, no. hefty, hefty. I mean, that does work too, <laughs> but oh my gosh, is this interview loaded up? Um, it's a dark I, and gritty interview. Yeah. I... All those things that John brought up were definitely interesting. But for me, with these kind of interviews, I really like the behind the scenes look of like how the production works. And I, I really liked hearing about how he goes through his process of writing. Like he talks about why Diego and Andor have an accent and how he went with that and how he was like, when you're looking at the movie, you wonder where did he come from? And then he like talked about how his process was of like backtracking what that was and and how he got that accent and who he is as a character and i loved that he used things that came with diego to then build into the character because when you meet an actor obviously you're putting an actor into the character but mm. from tony's point of view he's saying okay that's true but i'm also taking things that make diego diego and adding them to the character so that cassian is truly diego like no one else could play this character um the other thing i found interesting is as we're getting into these shows that are coming out now that were shot you know a year ago two years ago three years ago started two years ago three years ago whatever it is um the repercussions of covid and and what happened during that time period when we were all just kind of sitting around being like okay what happens now um, him talking about how that's kind of changed what the show is like. He gives up an example of Aldani and how it was meant to be like thousands of people there. Mm -hmm. um, and it ended up only being a small group and that's due to COVID. Um, it, it makes me wonder, because obviously to me, that didn't change anything for Aldani for me. Like, I don't think having thousands of people there would have changed the momentum and excitement of that episode of the heist. But... It makes me wonder, not just with this project, but with other projects, what things got cut and what things got changed um, outside of just this show, but other shows as well. And as we know, Rogue One didn't obviously, or not Rogue One, Rogue Squadron, 
I just was thinking Rogue in my head because John was mentioning how he says Rogue. Uh, Rogue Squadron changed and other things like mm-hmm. what? I can't help but wonder, like, what are we losing by by just the changes that have been made? So it's interesting to hear someone be so, like John's been saying, so honest about the process and about how things ended up the way they are and how they should have been and how they could be. Um, because I think, as we know as Star Wars fans, Lucasfilm sometimes isn't as open with that information. Um, and I feel like when you're more uh, kind of transparent with struggles and setbacks, people are more accepting of what they did get instead of what they could have had. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I love a lot of the stuff in this interview because <clears throat> it is kind of like pulling back the curtain a little bit. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I, I found that a lot of this did sort of, it felt to me a little bit like a he's exhausted and he doesn't know he doesn't think people believe how exhausted he is oh really yeah yeah there there is a lot in this to me that sort of read like it's so hard and i can't believe the commitment that i've already made to this and oh because people keep asking what's next i feel like that's such an easy question for press to ask like oh after this, or what are you doing? And he's like, I still have two more years of this. Yeah. Yeah. So he's explaining, he's like, I got another two years of this, and it's nonstop, and everybody's coming up to me with questions, and my fault, I wrote in too many characters, and people are asking, where's the script, the set writer? We don't have a set writer, buddy. You know, it's I. the director's there, and the script is mm-hmm. on the set, mm-hmm. So, and everybody knows what they're doing, but it's like, there's certain things about this that just felt like he was I, like I'm in not, over his head. No, like just I, I, I almost got this vibe that he's sort of telling this side of the story because he's not totally happy with fan reaction. So there's oh, a there's so this is his defensive. Like this is how it's, it's going. I think it's the numbers more than anything. The returns on the that he's that, probably hearing that, from that's, Disney. That's actually maybe what mm. what I'm getting because that's that's the that's fan Disney. reaction being Disney like nobody's about. watching it kind of thing. Yeah, Disney doesn't yeah. care what we think about the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's what I'm getting at. Is like it's not it's not an overwhelming hit, and it and it wasn't like potentially the the big sh- show that he was. So I think like Mando. I think I'm there's sure just a human thing Mando. coming out there where he's going like, yeah, he probably took this job because he thought maybe I'm good at what I'm doing. I think I could deliver something on the level that um, people who like the Mandalorian are doing. Plus, I think I could I could maybe do it better. I won't be using these weird special effects. I can handle this. I know I can do it. And I could become a Star Wars legend. I think he is among certain fans. But, I, you know, we've talked about the the low numbers. And I feel like this is his first time that he's really had a moment to honestly be himself and be like, dude, do you know how hard I worked on this thing? You know, and I, I think there's a little bit of the human side of him saying. um, Almost like if I could grab a little bit of sympathy from people, they might actually. Check it out. Does that kind of make sense? I I guess yeah. I I guess I understand what you're saying. I I think 
Mm. I, I think a lot of the stuff at, that he's saying is right. Is, I, is cool, I didn't but. pick that up at first, but now that you're saying that and John had said it is, was just saying it now as well, is like, I, I do think it's definitely his reaction to probably the numbers. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. been in meetings being like, well, this, because I'm sure he's getting pulled into marketing meetings, right? Where they're like, okay, it's not performing. It's what can we do type thing. Mm-hmm. He He's well, hearing things or. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably pushback there. I, I guarantee whether it's Lucasfilm or Disney, they're like, so you're not involving the force. These characters aren't in it. No lightsabers. And he's like, nope. Trust me. Look what I did with Rogue One. Trust me. People are going to watch this. They want this. They've been waiting for this. And he's right because there's pockets of fans who are anointing this as the greatest thing since like the Empire Strikes Back. I see yeah, people saying tons that. of people saying that. Yep. And they're right. They're right to say that because that's their opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the numbers don't seem to be there for that general audience who want to see Star Wars in the pocket. They want to see what they identify as Star Wars, which is fantasy, escapism, uh, you know, whimsical storytelling, wizards and the force and lightsabers and space battles and all that stuff. And humor. Uh, humor is a big part of Star Wars. So I, I understand why it's not getting the big numbers, but I think it's an important story for them to tell. I, I don't know that we're going to get much more of this type of stuff going forward unless something really breaks through. I don't think this is like Rogue One. I think this is a very different... I know it's the same guy, and it's about a character from Rogue One who's a lead. I think Rogue One is very different from Andor. It, Rogue One had a lot of humor in it. Rogue One had a lot of the Star Wars elements. Rogue One had some really, like, that's too Easter eggy, like, on the nose. They like the Dr. sold stuff. Rogue One so, from, like, day one. With Vader. With Vader. 100%. Yeah. He was in the trailer. He's in the trailer at Celebration that they never released. I think this may have gone too, maybe too far for general audiences. Like my, my, I always use my brother as a measure. He's like, I tried watching. I, I I'm not, I'm not watching that show. And it he's gets a, a general, little. He's a casual too, Star Wars. Fan. It gets a little too deep into the why things happened. He said he was bored. That's what I was. That's what I've heard <laughs> too. You know, yeah. we we were doing our our uh, TRB live. Uh, last week and it was funny because we were talking about how tony gilroy takes notes and i had this picture in my head that he was going like when when somebody was rereading it or reading it back to him or something he said he goes is it the best star wars ever or is it boring slow and should probably not be ever recreated and the person's like both and he's like perfect (laughs) 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he's not like, how shy about saying he both, but it's also both somehow. Yeah, he and he's not shy about you know saying he's not a Star Wars fan and he's not going to be beholden to the legacy of it. And I don't he like without saying it, he's basically saying like I don't give a you know what about George Lucas's legacy on this stuff. I'm here. I'm making this story now because you told me you want me to come in and do this, and that's totally fine. But. At the same time, when someone hears Star Wars, they're looking for Jedi, they're looking for lightsabers, looking for stormtroopers. Right, yeah. yeah. But I, and fantasy, the, the whole, it's a soap opera fantasy. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't mean that there's thing. anything wrong with Andor. It is a beautiful show. It's just, it's missing those elements that when you think of Star Wars, it's like doing Harry Potter without wizards. Yeah. Like you can't it have a Harry po- Potter thing without wizards. You just have muggles. Right. Right, it, it, and it has the politics of the prequels, 
but it doesn't have all the other elements of Star Wars that the prequels had. Yoda. Like the prequels, the political story of the prequels, if you wrote that out as a serious thing, that would rival Andor as like a very intriguing political thing because it is. Right. It's just how Andor is made is like, we're, we're wiping out all the fantasy stuff. We're making this grounded. It's real. And you're going to take a hit with that with those general audiences, especially young people. I feel bad. I, you know, I, I never want Star Wars to not succeed. I never take any enjoyment in something not doing the way as good as no, it I should. No, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I, I wish even just talking about this and better. James going through his thought process of like what he thinks Tony's going through, it makes me sad, man, because I don't want anybody that's put their heart, soul, time, passion, everything into something to feel that they have to defend themselves. We're, we're putting a spotlight on it, but this is every day in Hollywood. No, joke. no, I know. This is I know. like, and I, I feel you know, bad every day. <laughs> I worked really hard on this movie, and it took me two years. And people watch it, and they're like, "It stinks," you know. I mean, that could and be it's like the general. Just, everybody's like, yeah. "Yeah, it's a B movie at best," you know. I mean, that's just like how we understand media in general at sure, this point. Sure. It's just there's so much of it. We can watch something and be like, "Yeah, it's not really," you know, "It's not great." It's I I don't even know if I'd recommend it. And it's like everybody on that set spent like a year, you know, making that Hallmark movie or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about this, like, to me, I'm sort of in that boat, I think a little bit that I I think this is good for Star Wars. And I think that Star Wars should have content that is not all like what we think of when we think of Star Wars. Um, right. I think it is good that we have stories like Andor and, and or shows like Andor, uh, movies like Rogue One, um, animated stuff like uh, Resistance, you know, animated stuff like The Clone Wars, which is mm-hmm. which, you know, you talk to animation fans Bad and they're absolutely going to be like, these are two completely different shows. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, as much as I like Clone Wars, like. I would hate for them to do Clone Wars and then Clone Wars again and then Clone Wars again and then Clone Wars again because they never break out of that. I do want to see fighter pilots over here, you know, even even if it's just for two seasons or whatever. You know, that was always the plan, Resistance, two seasons. It's like, okay, we'll give you two seasons of Andor. It's about the political stuff. And if, if they focused too much on always hitting four quadrant Star Wars all the time, you could theoretically burn out yeah. your franchise in a decade. You know? Well, yeah, a lot of people are saying that about Marvel now. They're saying it's too much, too much Marvel. I've had, to, you know, you can love a, a love a chocolate frosted cake, but if you have four slices of it, you're like, you, I never want to eat cake again. It's weird and because we're tacos. <laughs> yeah, the Marvel. I just had taco by the other day, the... and I was like, this felt right again. Okay, <laughs> it took a while. Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing is like Marvel has been celebrated for, you know, like Moon Knight, not feeling like, uh, WandaVision or something, you know what I mean? they're like different shows, but it, it, it is sort of like you take a step back and you're like, yeah, it all just feels kind of like Marvel, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, I haven't thought about it, but I don't know if Star Wars is that when I, when I do think of. Uh, Resistance versus Andor versus The Force Awakens versus, uh, you know, High Republic books and stuff. Do they all read so drastically different that 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 is, in fact, healthy for the franchise? Or do they read so drastically different that it it seems like they don't know what they're doing? But 
Anyway, this is all to say, like, Andor's a fine show, and... and yeah. Yeah, so, and, and the one thing to remember is they're making season two. This isn't a situation where it's like, oh, season one uh, <laughs> didn't get the numbers. We're <laughs> out of here. Okay, yeah, but... You better rewrite could... the ending for the, the last episode. Here's a question, because though. Could you know... they pull it, though? No. They're, they're, I don't I think don't so, know. they're going to start filming now. The contracts are probably signed. All but that have stuff. they started filming it? I mean, they did pre-production. I'm sure they built all the sets. You know, they've talked a like, lot about they, this, and I, I'd be surprised if they pulled it. Think of Batgirl. They pulled Batgirl before it was even Well, that done. was Warner Brothers. But I'm, yeah, uh, but I'm saying, like, to say a studio won't at any point be like, like, I don't think Disney would. I'm going to say that first. I don't think they would. But think, could they? I think because I think they're going to do an, try to do an award push with this one and, and, like, make this the Star Wars that wins awards or something, and that might be enough for them. I hope um, so. It deserves it. I, I think it does. It does get like it definitely is a shot in the ribs to this type of Star Wars storytelling going forward. Like, well, we're struggling to get them to make a follow up to Solo. And that's only because the marketing and because it was a double budget because of the directors. A Han Solo thing seems like a safe bet to do a series on. And they're, they haven't touched that yet. Uh, they originally said this... no, and then they came back on that two months, a month later. Right, and well, and and then this, uh, you know, this type of Star Wars, they they may say like, we, you know, that was great, we appreciate it, we can't go back there, we got to get back to reaching everybody, but it's going it's getting made. Uh, it's I assume season two is going to go through. I'll be all good. It may win some Emmys, who knows? But even people who don't necessarily like are going to go back and rewatch all of Andor. I might not go back and rewatch all of Andor. But you'll be able to take things away from it. Like, even just like I said, so when I, like last week I said, yeah, I saw Mon Mothman Return of the Jedi, and I'm like, I'm thinking about her backstory now. And it elevates that, that moment for me, even though at that moment that actress said, I was barely remembering those lines, and I just went in there and I did them and blah, blah, blah. But there's Mon Mothma, and we know now what she went through. And at, at, if that's the only thing someone takes away from it, that's enough for that person. So, and then there'll be people on the flip side who are like, Andor is, my favorite thing ever in Star Wars. So yeah, I Which think it's I love cool hearing. Way. I love that people are able yeah. to find what they like yeah. in Star Wars. It may Wars. open the door for people to get yeah. into Star Wars yeah. who may not, who thought it was, it was too campy before and right. didn't give it a shot. I know people who've never watched Star Wars. I'm like, wow, you've never seen it. And they're like, yeah, it just seems like I don't know the space battle. I know stuff. people that have told me they tried to watch it because they knew I liked it and they fell asleep. Yeah. So and we're we'll talking see. like original I, trilogy. It could it could enter people who love you know Michael Clayton stories and stuff like that to get into Star Wars. That's right, a good thing. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're dead on with that about the um you know you don't you might not necessarily like the content as it's happening, but then like your future with Star Wars always has that like sort of memory of when those things are. Like I mm-hmm. I I do sometimes think like I, I'll I'll say it you know like quickly like. You know, I didn't love Book of Boba Fett, but it is funny, like, when I see, like, a screenshot or a clip or, like, I kind of remember the story, I'm like, oh, man, yeah, I kind of forgot that. <laughs> that That's cool <laughs> that that happened. But, yeah. like, when I was watching it, I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm into this. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot, of, I think that for the people that do watch Andor, they're going to be like, man, it was so hard to get through, and I don't really think it was worth it. But then they're going to watch things, and they're going to be like, 
oh man, like I know we we remember remember that from Andor. Like that was that was that was one cool thing about Andor. But it's like it's really riddled with a lot of cool things. Just it's <laughs> it's hard to like pull that apart when you're trying to criticize it week to week to week to week. You know, well, B- Book of Boba Fett. I could see that conversation happening. Like, yeah, Book of Boba Fett. It's like that sucked, dude. And be like, dude, remember when though Boba Fett blew up the sarlacc that ate him with the seismic chargers from attack of the clones yeah he's like oh that's right dude that was awesome remember remember that mandalorian episode where like he teamed up with boba fett and they like were fighting in the streets and you're like no that was book of boba fett that wasn't mandalorian right it's like oh shoot you're right that was book of boba fett remember that (laughs) rancor being king kong and then the baby yoda thing put him to sleep and cuddled next to him like what (laughs) book of Um, boba fett had some moments man well, let's keep on with the Andor train because we got uh, an interview with Duncan Powell, who plays the character Melshi in uh, both Rogue One and Andor. Uh, it was kind of weird to say and Andor. Um, <laughs> and in this interview, he was revealing a lot about how his character came to be. And in some cases, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> with the main takeaway being that his character wasn't really a thing much at all. And, uh, quick side conversation that he had with Tony Gilroy on the set of the reshoots caused Tony Gilroy to be like, I like that guy and I'm going to write more of his character into the movie. (laughs) Uh, So as he puts it, he says, right place, right time. And uh, you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, thoughts, uh, I guess I'll start with you on this one, John. What, what, What are your thoughts on his character not really being part of Rogue One until Tony stepped in? So it's it's crazy because he said he was just a um like an X wing pilot or something like that. Pilot, so he was part yeah. of yeah, he pilot. was a part of it. He was a part of it, but he was just gonna be you know like one of those guys like, oh he's on my tail, blah, you know. <laughs> and then we get Tony Gilroy coming in, and then this guy now becomes like he's becoming like a fan favorite now. I don't know that he was in Rogue One, but now people who saw him that yeah. in that and see him now, there's layers to him, and like he feels realer. Because we're seeing these different eras He's of him. more part of the prisoner. story than he ever was. Yeah, from being a prisoner who got out of prison to breaking our hero from Rogue One out of prison. You know, those types of uh, parallels are, are legit. And um, I like Duncan Powell talking about how he, he was born the year Star Wars came out. And he was talking about the first movie he saw was The Empire Strikes Back. And he's a huge Star Wars fan. So getting that gig as a X-Wing fighter pilot, that was enough for him. He's like, oh, my God. This is amazing. I'm in a. I'm in Star Wars. I mean, this I think incredible. it would be enough for any of us. <laughs> Should just be in a ship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would play a a bush. Just put, wrap me in like shrubbery and just be like, that was John. Neil right Scanlan. There, the third bush over there. Make me a bush. <laughs> yeah, just bury me in the sand. Don't even show my body. Just know that under that sand, I'm there. <laughs> just off. <laughs> Let me breathe. But you know, yeah. But uh, this guy, like he he's talking about how Tony Gilroy comes in and he he talks to him about Buddhism and he like gets into like his mind about this character. All in reshoots and rewrites. And the fact that Melshi is in the first act of the movie and, of course, the, the heavy third act of the movie, to me, I didn't, I always heard that it was the third act that was really restructured, especially with the fates of the characters and all that stuff. I think we don't understand how much of this movie was actually redone. Was Tony? And reshot. That's why he feels yeah. very kind of. Maybe so, a little defensive because he's like, I made Rogue One what it is, and I don't get so the credit have, that I should for Rogue One. 
We have a tale of two standalone movies. You know how much I've beaten the drum about Solo. We all know about the production of that. Lord and Miller were like, no, we're not doing what you're telling us. We want to do our movie. They have every right to do that. Those guys are very successful. They're going to be successful for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, but, but they didn't play ball. Gareth Edwards said, all right, do I still get sole director credit? They're like, yes. He's like, come on in. Yeah, it's this. almost like, how would Solo have been different if Gareth Edwards would have stood up to Lucasfilm? Because right. Lucasfilm tried it. It totally worked. They told you, mean you know, Rogue change one. How all different this would Rogue stuff. One have been? You're what? Saying. How different? You said Solo. You mean Rogue One. How different if Gareth Edwards stood up to them about Rogue One? Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I think so. I'm saying, how different would Solo have been if Gareth Edwards would have stood up to Disney on Rogue One because Disney, oh, Lucasfilm came in. I said Disney, but it's Lucasfilm came in. They said, hey, guy, <laughs> thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to change everything. And he's like, okay. And they're like, that worked. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. tried to do it again. Yeah, yeah, so when Solo was not going <laughs> oh, the way no. they want, then they were yeah. like, uh, hi, hey, guys. guys. <laughs> we're going to redo everything. And then they were like, no, like we've been in yeah. this long enough to know that you are pushing us around. And like Gareth right. had only done, you know, one one film, uh, indie film, and then Godzilla. And same it was with probably, Ryan and Colin Trevorrow. It was probably same just thing. like, oh my gosh, I don't know, you know, what's going on here. But I, and mm-hmm. then I don't know what I don't know what Ryan's story was, but like everything went perfect for that. But um, I think well, he, they did a lot I'm just of curious like, hey, they how about to... this? And he was like, okay. Don't, also, don't forget the the Kasdan factor with Solo. Like, you're true. Lawrence Kasdan. You're not true. changing his script. Yeah. And true. they were doing where, a lot of improv, right? Wasn't that what it was? That, I guess so. They were doing a lot of takes for each scene, and it was really becoming an arduous process, and it was a longer shoot than they thought. They were 70% done when they, like, axed them. It, was, it wasn't like a, we're two weeks in. They filmed a lot of the movie. Um, so, and I know people are always like clamoring for, for that version, but like Chris White's is, uh, uh, you know, very successful. He's, he's done a lot of things uh, Twilight Saga. Uh, I'm not, I think I'm not a big Golden Compass fan, but, um, but a go- but Golden uh, member. Yes. Gold. Yeah. But like, he, yeah, yeah. Shut up. How dare you. <laughs> uh, American Pie, you know, stuff like that. He's, re- he's, he's a very successful writer, you know, uh, one percent. If you're in this this level of of writing, you're you're top of the top of the line. Even if people mm-hmm. don't even know who you are, but you're not Lawrence Kasdan when it comes to Star Wars. I think there's probably a little bit of uh, leverage that Kasdan had, uh, and why and that's why it didn't work with Solo. But I was shocked to hear that the whole Melshi thing was a, a new venture. I know he's not like the main character, but he's in uh, the beginning and the end of the movie. I really think more of this movie was changed than we really know. And I know Tony Gilroy has been candid about that. And he said he had, he's on he record calling. He said he's gutted it. He said it was a complete mess. He said that movie was a mess. But for some reason, people gloss over those facts about Rogue One. Um, and, you know, wh- whatever. You know, it made a lot of money. Maybe that's why. And But Gareth Edwards got sole director credit. You know, he played ball and he, he was able to get that. So now when people look back on it, it's, it only says Gareth Edwards as the director of the movie. Um, so it's interesting. I hearing him talk about this though. Just going back to my original point, he he was always a big Star Wars fan. Loved uh, Star Wars from the beginning. He was a little kid when he saw uh, the Empire Strikes Back. That was my first Star Wars movie. 
And so I can sort of relate with this guy and I like seeing him come back because clearly he enjoys it. And you know me, if you love being involved in Star Wars and you don't think you're above it and you want to be a part of it, that always, uh, you get bonus points with me for that. Lacey, any thoughts on this article from your perspective? Um, I don't have much to add. I think John did a good job covering most of the, the points here, but it is a nice reminder just in general that to always be nice to other people. <laughs> like I took that away from this article. It's like no matter who you're talking to, what situation you're in, just being kind and, and, and interacting with other human beings and um, just being giving with your time when someone is giving their time back to you can do lots of things for you. And this is a guy that's clearly a really nice guy that came in, was having a friendly conversation with Tony Gilroy, had a good time, and he left such an impact on him that he then got a bigger role in the movie. Mm -hmm. I just think oftentimes people forget the impact they can have on another person, whether it's two minutes, 10 minutes, days, months, you know, whatever. It's just kind of taking in taking in the interactions you have on a daily basis and remembering that you make an impact. That's what I took away from this outside of just star Wars in general. Mm -hmm. Um, quickly, because we we've talked about all the things really, uh, the only thing that stuck out to me is I have for a long time sort of been a defender of this character saying he was, you know, when you think of rogue one, you think of five characters, you know, not including K2, but the five human characters. And I'm like, He's the sixth character, and I usually point to that image that they have of them standing there. The and sixth I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's not looking at the camera, but he's there. And like, even if you look at the photo, like as a you know, like a piece of art where everything's like kind of even out. Like he, if <clears throat> if there wasn't a person there, it wouldn't look as right. And so that he's like one of the six, but yeah. everybody else is kind of like in a little bit more in the foreground. So it's like we focus on those. But my thought is like when he said this, I'm like, when did that photo come out? Because then that's kind of lucky that they happen to like stick a random pilot. There are other people in the background, don't get me wrong, but to me, he seems kind of prominent in that photo. And I felt like that was the very, very early first photo, like maybe mm. even like before they were really filming, like this was like, we're shooting one photo to advertise the movie. Um, maybe hmm. I'm wrong on that, but I was like, it's crazy yep. to me that he found himself in that photo or happenstance that they put a random guy back there and then he ended up being written into the movie and they look back at the photo and they're like, oh, good, that works. <laughs> look, the guy, maybe, there he is. Maybe Tony Gilroy saw that photo and he's like, who is that guy? Who's that guy? Yeah, he looks yeah. like he's <laughs> one of the people here or something. And I, I don't know, but, but then that that doesn't jive necessarily with like his conversation and how that plays into right. karma Which and all would, that. I, right. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting and it, and it made me want to go back and look like when was that photo first released and how does that line up with certain things? But anyway, he's in that photo and I like that fact. Um, and we got one more story real quick uh, for resisted support. And that is that Kathleen Kennedy was recently doing a discussion about, uh, the high well, it was not. It wasn't a discussion. Sorry, it was included in the artwork, right? The the book, uh, the art of High Republic, the book. art of High yeah. Republic book, and it was mentioned in the book. Uh, some Eagle Eye fans pointed out that it was said, you know, that this idea of how they could sort of flip the script on 
what we know of like, well, first we create movies and live action blank, and then we drop everything down and kind of put a light on the publishing publishing side and said, if we could develop something over here, our little test was to see if the High Republic could eventually lead us into live action. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. John, what were your thoughts on Kathleen Kennedy's statements here? It's it's frustrating from a perspective of I cannot find, and I don't know if this is just across the board with the industry. I mean, I worked in the publishing industry, but from the production side, um, you cannot find statistics on book sales. You can find the lists. They rank, oh, this one was number five on the bestseller list. But in terms of numbers like like album sales for records, you can find out more than this. Uh, it's yeah, hard I guess to the question understand. is, what, how many is a bestseller? Are we talking five I, I don't, books, I, ten it books? I, it changes I, from week I, to week. Like, but I honestly could not tell you with good conscience, outside of the bubble of like Star Wars Twitter and diehard Star Wars fans who like books, if this these books are selling or if they're successful. I, you know, I once in a while talk to people, be like, have you ever heard of the High Republic Star Wars? I'm like, what is that? Is that the new show coming out? I'm like, no, they're books. Like, oh, I don't even know Star Wars made books. Or I remember those old books, uh, you know, from, from the 90s. Are they like those? I guess they're, they you know, refer to like, you know, EU or uh, Thrawn books or whatever. But I, I don't think people really know what this is. It's a very niche thing to not only target an audience that uh, is reading star wars books but also this like it's one thing to say here's a star wars book this is what luke skywalker did between uh a new or a for the force awakens and like um uh adam christopher's book you know this is what luke skywalker was doing between uh return of the jedi and the force Awakens. uh this is just like we're starting here these all brand new characters you may see yoda you, you want to read these and Unless you're a diehard Star Wars fan who's buying all the books, uh, that's a hard sell to me. So that the, that they started here and said, based on this, the and she called it a gamble. If the gamble yeah. succeeded, that just seems like we'll throw it against the wall. We have no expectations to go beyond these books. When they were promoting this, Michael Siglain and all of them said, we finally have our era where we're not beholden to other canon. the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't have to worry about what that show's doing right now or what that movie did. We have our pocket. We can tell whatever we want. We can do anything we want. That was their big selling point. Was that like we are our authors can do whatever they want. And they they did they were able to. But now it's is it successful enough to to leap forward? I don't know that it is. I would love for someone to to actually tell me. Michael Siglane, tell me. Give me the numbers. Are these books selling? I'm so curious. I really am. Uh, because I would be interested. I, I don't like reading Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That I, I when I read, I read other stuff. Star Wars is something I want to visually take in. That's just me. I know people love it. It's just my personal taste. Um, I I would check this out if they if they made a show out of it. Um, we'll see. I don't, nothing here tells me that anything's tangible though. It just seems like one of those Kathleen Kennedy interviews where she's like, "It's been talked about. It's been explored, and it depends on this and maybe that." I didn't really pick up anything on here that's telling me. It's going to happen. I, it seemed sort of like one of those up in the air type of uh, conversations. That's uh, in my opinion. I don't know. Lazy. Yeah, I hmm. it's it's tricky, you know, because I, I fall back on that statement I said earlier in this episode of like, I, I want to root for Star Wars and I want to see it succeed. 
Yeah. Um, but I haven't really gotten into the High Republic. It's just, I'm, I know I'm not trying to make excuses, but like it's a lot. It's it's a little overwhelming with so many books and comics and everything else, on top of live action and stuff. And it just I haven't gotten into it. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't diehard fans. I hear people and see people talking about it all the time, and I love that. I I love that people are finding things that they they truly dial in on with Star Wars, whether it be the books or whatever. Um, it is interesting though that they are saying that like it all starts with the word, because to me it feels like maybe this era starts there but there is a lot of confusion in the beginning of if it really was starting with these books because it sounded like to us originally that this was in coinciding with the netflix or not netflix the game of thrones guys that this was going to be a bigger thing with them and then the books were going to kind of come off of that and then they left and then the books i think that was just john's theory I had I was talking about it with John. Like I completely mm-hmm. agreed. We were both at New York Comic Con saying, "Oh, they're going to announce this big thing," and then they and this is why James they jumped ship, and then they pushed that announcement until the following they delayed it yeah. like six months. They were like, "Oh, we're not doing this right now," and there was no reason to delay it. To me, why are you mm-hmm. going to delay an idea for six months if Project you have it all laid Luminous. out? Right. So it got delayed and we were all like, what's going on? And they had, remember the the press conference with all like the Doug Chang art and like we were like, this just seems like it originally was a bigger thing than it is. And I'm not saying that it isn't big and it doesn't have the impact that it has within the fandom and the community and Star Wars in general. Mm-hmm. I just personally felt that it was going to be a bigger thing in the sense of st- a live action story to start with and per usual these books were going to branch off of that and then go into their own things and it just seems like they've kind of gone off on their own tangent but now that we're hearing about acolyte we might see that then come back Mm -hmm. into live action so i'm interested to see what happens with it but kathleen's comments i don't know i i kind of feel at this point um Kathleen is a figurehead. She's got to say what she's got to say to sell books, to sell movies, to sell what's going on. Um, I don't know if I believe that Lucasfilm and or Disney are saying these books are the next phase of Star Wars. I, I don't know if that's the case um, because it seems like they've got all their kind of eggs in the Mando basket. And Mando doesn't take place during this time period. So, um yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you think, James, because I feel like out of the three of us, you have had the most experience are within you, the High Republic. Yeah, are you still, are, are you sort of, you have a lot of catching up to do? Like, are you on pause because of the amount? I mean, yeah, over, overwhelming is the right word. I've talked about this before, and I sort of at some point stopped. And, you know. It sounds like your start in Star Wars, like you were overwhelmed before you even got into Star Wars. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and, and at this point now, it, it feels a little bit like they announced another book and you're like, add it to the pile. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. and it's not like, it's pile, not yeah. like anxiety anymore. Like, oh my God, that's another one that I have to read. It's a little bit more like, I almost feel like I'm so far gone. Like, I don't know, maybe someday I'll pick and choose some of them, but I don't think there's any chance I read all of those that I've already missed. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it could it's happen Lucy though. Maybe the, one day I Lucy just with decide... the chocolates on the conveyor belt. Just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Maybe it's like uh, like one day all of a sudden I, I I get I resubscribe to Audible and like I you know get them and I'm just like flying through them like their podcast or something. So I don't know. But um, I I don't know if I have like a boring answer to this, but like everything that was said about this out of this book, all of the quotes and everything that lines up exactly correct. Like that makes perfect sense to me. It was, it was, uh, you know, Lucasfilm saying, Hey, we want to write more stories. What do you think publishing and publishing is like, that sounds great. We'd love to. There's one thing that if we'd like to ask, we'd like to not be beholden to live stories. Is there any way we could develop this over here, our own world, and and yeah. play off of that and if it's successful then um then you know we'll have done something really cool and Kathleen Kennedy is kind of looking at it and she goes yeah sure why not you know and like as a as an investment into the future we'll we'll let you develop this era we'll let you um and, and if it continues to be successful it will of course have diminishing returns they probably sold um i'm using fake numbers small numbers to to make sense of it but they probably sold 5000 of the first couple books 1000 of the next couple uh 100 of the next couple you know what i mean and then they've been consistently 100 100 100 100 100 100 so that's the core fan base they now know it they know who's consistently buying those books and that number is enough to continue to fund the High Republic. So they're fine, right? But the more books that come out and the more they build up that era, they start to look at it as an investment for live action. It's not like them randomly saying, let's do the Old Republic. The idea of the Old Republic is based on a core set of games and books and and other content that they've already created. And if they were going to do a live action version of that, they're basing it on a structure that already exists so they've been cultivating the structure setting the groundwork laying out what that world looks like and they have their core fan base so the structure continues to build itself and if at any point they feel like they want to they have it's not a complete gamble because they have a little bit of a um they have a fan base that's going to show up no matter what um, being High Republic fans, and the second part of that being they, it isn't going to be like totally loosey goosey because they have the the structure of the world and how things worked at that time already mm-hmm. built up. So bringing mm-hmm. a writer into it, they're not completely taking a gamble on whatever that writer comes up with. They're sort of letting them play with a tried and true concept that's already proving itself to fit into star Wars properly. All Mm -hmm. all that made sense to me. I was like, yeah, that sounds right. You know, you took a gamble on your publishing and lay the groundwork. And if it pays off later down the line, maybe we'll make a live action thing out of it. (laughs) I guess it kind of is. Mm -hmm. Uh, All that being said, that's it for resistance support this week. Uh, Lacey, if I could hand it off to you to take it just to the next section. All right, guys, it's time for the Patreon pod race. So there are lots of ways you can support us. You can like this video, comment, subscribe. You can follow us on audio platforms on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, please. It helps us out. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at TRB Podcasts. 
That's TRB Podcasts, <laughs> new handle. And you can head over to Instagram at The Resistance Broadcast. We're also on Facebook and soon to be probably TikTok, so stand by. Um, but if you want more than that and you want to support the show and what we're doing here and what we plan to do in the next year, which is going to just, guys, keep getting crazier, uh, yeah. you can head over to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Just starting at $5 a month, that's it. You get to engage with us on the page and in the community you get to vote on stuff take part in the show uh pitch ideas to us talk about what's coming um be a part of live streams and much more as you go up in the rank you get more benefits from merchandise to discord access and much more this is the part of the show that we let our generals and spice runners take part we ask them a question they give us an answer we talk about it so before i get there i want to thank those people so thank you to our generals carmelo john reese jetta rosewater frank grande darth hurricane nick kratz christian morales brian smith matt chitty danny mike Ramori, matt heath chris white brendan mclaughlin count pepto sneaky zebra Paul Sullivan and Val Trichkoff, thank you guys thank you. so much. And to thank our you. spice runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Ward, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, and Michael Fry. Thank You're you awesome. guys thank you. so much for being a part of the resistance. This week we have our buddy Dave Hornack, a.k.a. Indie Dave. We up, asked Dave? him, when uh, you can ask George Lucas one question and he asked to answer it. What is the question you ask him and why? Oof, How do you really feel good... about Mara Jade? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. Uh, Dave, take it away. Hello, base. Indy Dave checking in. I'd first like to just wish everyone uh, a very merry and uh, happy holiday season. Uh, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Christmas isn't far beyond. And um, just hopefully everybody has a festive one. Um, so first, uh, going right in here, I was thinking, man, uh, the Yoda thing always comes up, you know, what was Yoda and how, how he created him and what was his thoughts ever? If there were any, why is it a secret? But I, that wasn't my question. Mace, did he, did he win or lose? Uh, but ultimately I think if I had the time, I would love to have uh, a long thought out conversation in regards to something current in Star Wars right now. And that is if you could make any changes with current Star Wars, what would they be? And I'm not sure if the answers that he would have would be what we all think they might be, uh, but it would sure be interesting to have that conversation and not necessarily what he would have changed leading up to now, but where would he go uh, from here? And um, just curious why possibly current Star Wars isn't already having these conversations with George, or maybe he doesn't want to uh, have them. I'm not sure, but regardless, that's my question. Uh, I would like to know, and it'd be great to get a heartfelt, like I said, heartfelt, uh, sincere answer from him um, in regard to that question. Happy holidays, everyone. Mindy Dave, out. Nice job, Dave. Excellent t-shirt. John, what'd you think? <clears throat> yeah, he's got a Spice Runner t-shirt on. He's probably like, oh, man, is that shirt clean? <laughs> Do the old Bill Murray hold it out the window. Um, no, I'm sure Dave uh, has wonderful smelling laundry, as uh, <laughs> as we all should. Um, Dave, listen, man, you and it doesn't matter what the topic is. You just you just seem like the nicest dude and you are. Uh, so for people out there who like see this video or, or, or listening to your answer, like it's tried and true. You are one of the, one of the best ones out there. So first of all, thanks for the well wishes for the holidays. They are, they come, they seem to be coming quicker every year. And now that I've, 
know, two kids and stuff. I like, I like them more, I think, um, especially like Christmas and stuff like that. So we're going to be gearing up. We actually, I don't know if I said it on this show or not, but we've gotten snow already um, uh, <laughs> here in Connecticut. So I uh, hope you're doing well, buddy. But your answer, yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I want to know what George would do. It's almost like I, I do want to know, but I don't. Um, because then for a couple of reasons, like say he says something, I'm like, oh man, that would have been so much better. And then what, like, what does that do with fans online? Does it, does it, um, give accreditation to people who have been saying like, George, Lucas this is just for Dave though. Dave gets to hold on to this answer and no one else knows. True. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying what I want to ask that question mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. but Dave, I, I do like that. Um, I would like to, because you said the words heartfelt and sincere, so, like, in other words, he could be, like, flipping about it or PR about it. He tells you the, looks in the eye and tells you the truth. Yeah. yeah. I think there's something to that. So, ultimately, I love your answer. And I don't, I don't want to know about Yoda. So, I like that you picked that one, buddy. Good to see you, man. James? Yeah, Dave, I, I don't know that I would have ha- come up with a better question than what you came up with. Because I do think that, that there is something very special to just being, like, Shoot it to me straight, man. What are your thoughts, really? And being able to have that and take that to your grave, like you know, the the real story of uh, you know, how he would have done Star Wars and and what maybe in his opinion, Disney's doing wrong, you know? Because the question was around like if you could make changes to the current Star Wars or like how are they? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what's the problems in your eyes? Um. I think I think that's a very special question, and it, and it actually kind of got me thinking. Like, wouldn't that be a cool like charity thing? And like George could be like, donate money. Highest donator has to sign an NDA, but you get one hour of <laughs> conversation donator. with me, and I will be honest with you. But you can never talk about what we talked about via this contract or something. You know what I mean? There's too much at risk. It's not worth it. We erase your it. memory after the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something like that. That'd be cool. But uh but no, it's uh I don't know. I think it's a great question. And I think I think a lot of people would would want to know the exact same thing. So it's a good question, Dave. I appreciate it. And I really, I really appreciate your patronage. <laughs> that, that's awesome. And I just love you being a friend and a fan of the show. Dave, you're the best. I hope you're having some uh, yoga, yoga, Yoda margaritas this holiday season. Although I'm sure you have a better drink that's like more holiday specific. So let us know and we'll share it because sure. I'm sure you have a good one. Um, that being said, I, I'm i kind of in the same boat as John. Like I want to know, but I don't. Like it would be cool, but like I'm good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, it is interesting, you know, to to see if he would have killed Luke Skywalker or not. I think that's a big one that people always harp on. And it would be interesting if he was like, yeah, I would have killed him. Yeah. Like that would have been crazy because that's the one people are like, he wouldn't have. Um, yeah. But anyway, you're really awesome. Thank you for being part of the community. We really appreciate it. We hope you had fun being a part of the show. And back to John. All right. Before we get out of here, I... I thought we would have time to do more of a sort of short discussion. We did talk too much, but (laughs) I just want to, I think I want to address this after maybe like the final quote unquote numbers of like Andor comes out, Mm -hmm. but just want to get your guys like one sentence answer on this. 
and we'll expand upon it later. Did you think, did Andor come out at the wrong time in terms of like the climate of the world right now? And I'm not saying to get political, but like people are talking about, you know, the potential of World War Three and about how this show is so in touch with our sociopolitical climate and stuff like that. Um, what is is the appetite not there for that for non diehard Star Wars fans where they don't want to they want something that takes them out of reality? So did I guess did Andor come out at the wrong time because we know the numbers aren't there? I'll start there. So just a quick answer. We can expand upon it later. Just want to get if you guys are, are feeling that or you think it's a it would have done uh, just as uh, the way it is if things were great uh, in the world. Uh, go ahead, James. You can answer first. <laughs> I, I think I know where this is going. I, I have a feeling that John and Lacey both think yes, and I'm going to say no. I actually um, don't know about that, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was just my guess. My my thoughts are um, that Andor being the show that it is, that is playing on a lot of that like mystery of it, I think <clears throat> almost in a way that it, it excels because we can actually relate to that like if the world was like super peaceful and this show comes out we'd be like well that's not how life is you know or whatever yeah. but the yeah. fact that it, we can see it in the real world mm-hmm. and then sort of make that connection when we're watching this show and being like that's what makes it so good it's like that is how it would happen that is happening you know i think there's um there's almost like a side to art sometimes that is saying the the only reason we did this is to shine a light on real world problems and when people watch it and they and then they hear like that's happening in real life people are a little bit more like alerted to it they're like wait this stuff is is really happening like it doesn't happen in my life and it's like yeah but it's happening in their lives you know so i i think that this show coming out and being what it is is it's um i'm not gonna say this but the perfect time for it to come out because it, it makes okay. the show shine more in, in in that light. All right. Lacey, are the, are the numbers down a bit on Andor for any reason because of the climate of the state of the world? I, I always will lean towards the side of uh, we need more, uh, you know, hopeful, happy stories. That's just who I am as a person. So it's... I'm always going to lean towards that side, but I have to agree with James. I, given where the world is currently, I don't think that there's a better time to release a story like this that is reflecting the current events that we're seeing. That being said, I think it is to be said when you do have moments that reflect like that, that you see the terrible things going on in our world shown in a, in a, you know, make-believe world that you love so much it doesn't make it hurt less and i think without the moments of comedy that we normally see in star wars and i know people are like Andor doesn't need comedy i see that all the time <clears throat> you need moments that are hopeful or or lighter to then not make it so heavy all the time um because for me at least Movies like this are supposed to be, or shows like this are supposed to be an escape. And for me, with Andor, I haven't felt like it's an escape because there are no elements that are Star Wars-like with Jedi and and lightsabers and stuff like that. So it, 
I don't know. It's tough. I think maybe my answer to the question wouldn't be, should it have not come out right now? No, I think it should have. I just don't know if I agree with the time period. Maybe it should have come out more closer to the holidays. Hmm. Like after election day. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not sure where I stand on this. I, I think more of the problem with the Andor Reach has less to do with its release. I, I think it does what it does now if it came out in like 2010 or whatever. I don't know. Pick a, pick a year where things didn't feel like it was things were falling apart. <laughs> um, that is people, true. Look, I, it, it's tough. I think yeah, people I, think the world is falling apart all the time. Yeah, but it's diff- something's different about now. With the, 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 the you know, we had the pandemic, which no one in like dealt with. Like, we, there's 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 craziness. Yeah, there's I, craziness I, I don't on. disregard. Like, it was funny but, because somebody pointed out to me once before that they were like, "Oh man, you know, twenty twenty is gonna be the worst year ever, or whatever." They always do that, and I'm like, they do that every year. Twenty eighteen, the worst year ever. Twenty nineteen, yeah. the worst year ever. And then I was like, but there's no doubt about it, man. Twenty twenty was the worst year ever. Well, it was good. just so bad. Not for I, you yeah. though, James. You went on walks and stuff, and like, no, yeah, I really healthy. And you were I saying you were having a great year. But I mean, when you look back, was like, when, you know, somebody saying like, was twenty fifteen worse or was twenty fourteen worse? Like, you'd have to really think about it. But to, you could ask anybody on the planet, was twenty nineteen worse or was twenty twenty worse? Sure, sure. And it's just like it's so undoubtedly swayed towards twenty twenty was worse, man. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. Um. I think the thing with Andor is for for <clears throat> the numbers to be there, you need to get the general audience like we talked about at the beginning of the episode. And I think for a lot of people who like Star Wars, they get the gist of what this show was. And they're like, if I want that kind of show, I'll watch like House of Cards or I'll watch like... Ring of Power. Uh, yeah, something that's... But, well, but or, doesn't or, that or, sort of contradict... Why, why, are, why are people watching House of Cards or Game of Thrones if they... if the climate I, is not I'm, I'm saying appealing to them. I'm, I'm saying it's not the climate. I'm saying oh, okay. the, the reason yeah. is not the climate. Yeah. Why the numbers are down. I'm saying the reason is because the general fan, if if it's this style of show, which is a political thriller, you know, whatever, they'll watch something that's more earthy and they'll they'll go to Star Wars for the Star Wars stuff. You know, I, I, they, I don't want to I don't need to see that type of genre show in a galaxy far, far away. I want to watch it in DC. I want to see it take place. And, you know, here, I think that's, I think that that might be a part of it. I, I I agree with you guys. I don't think Andor does better if there's, you know, no pandemic, no threats of war, no inflation, no economic uh, issues. And, you know, so that's hiring freezes, you know, any of that stuff or climate, (laughs) actual climate problems. You know, I, I think Andor just is Andor. Um, But, it's we'll see what what you know the the media says about it when those final numbers come out and, and what disney says about it more importantly because that's going to dictate the future of this type of star wars story. i was going to say too we'll also see which I, i'll throw out there now i don't think it's going to move the needle at all but like how things change when they actually stream those first two episodes on you know fx oh yeah we actually didn't really talk about we didn't really part. talk about it like i I don't know. That's interesting. It's super unprecedented for them. And it really goes to show that, that the show must be struggling because they're like, maybe if we show people yeah. some of it, they'll get hooked and they'll be like, oh, that looks really good. You I know? saw a lot yeah. of people spinning it as, oh, my God, this is amazing. 
Sure. Is it great that they're showing it to other people so people can see it? Sure. Yes. However, all the comments I saw in the replies were, why am I paying for Disney Plus, which is now about to be $10.99 a month, for you to then show it for free in other places? And the only thing is that you're not getting the all 12, you know, but my side of it was, wow, that's interesting to me that that says this show we want to be, it should be doing better. Yes. Yeah, that's all yeah. it says to me is that, that it looked like they're like trying to get a reason to get people interested. Like maybe people aren't connecting with it just on the trailer. Yeah. So if we can hook them a little bit, maybe then they'll they'll jump over that's and check it out when they realize the how reason. good it is or whatever. But yeah. um, I I the, thought it was kind of interesting that they're doing two and not three because I would think three, but then maybe that's too much of a closure that they'd be willing to be like, eh, I don't need to see it, you know? But if you cliffhang them with two, yeah. What what happens at the end of two? I don't remember. It's right before the heist and everything. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Is like it's right before they get off of Ferrix. Um, it's where I, he gets he takes off with uh, Luthen on the ship, and he's staring off into the sunset. Then that makes sense because then you're like, oh, where are they going? Let's check the next one. Oh, they're not showing the next. Oh, I got to buy yeah. Disney Plus. I just remember it was originally supposed to be they were releasing the first two episodes at the same time and then they changed it to three and I was glad they then, changed it to three because it was like a then really story. they just go they call up their friend they're like hey Jerry uh, can I get your login for Disney Plus so I can <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. <laughs> yeah. alright well um, I think think we're good here so I want to thank everybody for listening and watching being a part of TRB uh, like Lacey said make sure you you, you uh, follow us subscribe wherever and we're close to four, 300 400 I forget something milestone on uh, Spotify for our ratings. So keep rating us there. If you haven't yet, uh, hop over, give us five stars. Same with Apple. Um, and just tell people about us. You're, you're going to be sitting around the Thanksgiving table uh, talking about Star Wars with some family members. Let them know about the Resistance broadcast. You know, hey. it, you can still have a good time talking about Star Wars when you hang with us. That's one thing we can guarantee. So uh, we appreciate that. And other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey. Uh, well, it's still around. Uh, and also, uh, I have a movie podcast called Just Like the Movies, and we'll be doing uh, The Dark Knight next. We did an episode on Terminator 2 recently. And uh, you can also find me bumming around Star Wars Newsnet as well. Uh, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram, including my initial thoughts on Willow, which comes out next week. I keep forgetting to say Episodes that. one through three. Um, mm-hmm. We're super pumped that we got the opportunity to see them a little early. Um, so stay tuned. We will be doing reviews of it and or videos about it. Um, and all I can say is that I love it. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Willow's pretty awesome. James. Yep. Very good. Very sold on Willow. Like you guys said, uh, surprised unexpectedly a little bit about that show. Uh, but if you guys want to talk to me about it, not too much, (laughs) uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Meyer Trunks. All right, we are getting out of here, but we will see you to talk Andor episode 12. Are we doing it Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Wednesday night, Thanksgiving Eve, for those of you, even if you go to the bar, if you're still a Wednesday bar person, Thanksgiving Eve, pop us on your phone, have a few spirits, watch some TRB at the bar. What the heck? Uh, but we're going to talk the finale of Andor right before Thanksgiving, so you'll be able to talk about the entire series at Thanksgiving dinner and what a way to do it. Um, So until then, uh, have a great week. 
Have a, good, a great job preparing for Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. <laughs>